we start the lesson, uh, because we are a church that goes everywhere, we have messages that I feel like you need to know about. Um, one is our sister Patricia, and I always pronounce the last name wrong, and it's hyphenated, Herod Rodesky, or I got it wrong again. But Patricia, we've been following her struggle with cancer for the last year, and all the downs through that. And she, I hear from her son, uh, who has been caring for her, that she is in her last days. And so we are going to have a prayer for Patricia, and then we'll talk about some other things here as well. But while we're praying for Patricia, and not because we want to dilute it, but also Cammie and I, Cammie is from Colorado. We've lived there a couple of times. Uh, over a thousand homes are lost in the last few days there. And it's just, there's something terrifying about Western fires, the way they leap miles and then hit, and there's nothing you can do. So let's pray for these two main concerns, and then we'll talk about a couple other things. Our Father in heaven, Patricia, has fought hard, and her faith has always been there. And although um, her suffering has been great, she continued to smile and continued to praise you. Father, we ask that you make this part of her journey painless, and that you reach down and help her come to you. And we pray also a special blessing on Michael, her son, who really put his life on hold and cared for her 24-7, showing her love, never failing. Father, please give him comfort to know he has done a good and honorable thing, and he can live without regrets the rest of his life. Father, we pray for all of those, believers or not, who lost their homes in Colorado or who have been driven out and aren't sure what's waiting them when they come back. We pray that your spirit will be with them, but more than that, we pray that your believers in Colorado and our surrounding states will rush in to help. We pray that you would remove any barriers that insurance or bureaucracy puts up so that these people can start rebuilding their lives and feel that they are not alone. Father, we pray that for Patricia as well. As she is unconscious the last time I heard, we pray that she will not feel alone and that your presence will surround her. In all of these things, your people around the world, in the name of Jesus, say amen. Mark Barros, who has done some videos for us, minister at Stop 9 in Byesville, Ohio, he has um, had COVID for the last week or so, and so has his family. Uh, he was really struggling nighttime to breathe. It was a hard run at it. And he wants us to know. He texted at five something in the morning, which is all right, because Sundays are early mornings for, for us, that he's feeling better and that his family is actually better than he is. But I said, well, you'll be a part of the couch church. And he said, he always is. I know that that's being kind, but he also delays us because he's also a minister. But thank you. Uh, thank you, Mark. We love you. Uh, one of our members was visiting a church and was asked to teach, and he taught the class I just did on a Wednesday night of Romans 14, and he said there was an 80-year-old woman there that said she'd been a member of her, the church all of her life. Why had nobody shown her this before? Romans 14, if you do not know, 14 verse 1 through chapter 15 verse 7 is one sermon. And it's all about, you've got to lay aside everything that divides you. It's all about Jesus. And even if you think you follow Jesus in the correct way, and that person doesn't, 
stop it. Love that person as they are, and, lo- and they are to love you as you are. Um, we, we are a church that truly says, welcome home. Our hands are open. There are no rocks in it. We're not going to throw rocks at anybody. Not politics, not anything is going to get in our way of loving you. And we have some extra teenagers here today as well. And I just want to tell you, this is your church. And while everybody you see up here today um, is a vast aged and um, almost dirt, almost, um, you got to remember what you felt like when you were a teen, people. (laughs) It's all perspective. I'm quite aware, I'll, put, I'll talk about me then. I'm quite aware that the road ahead of me is quite shorter than the road behind me. You need to know this is your church too. And if you have an idea, or if you want to participate, sure, it's your church too, all right? And the same at home, we know we've got lots of teenagers out there and they email me and I love that. Thank you, Sarah, for taking care of our people in Turkey, Kyrgyzstan, and Armenia. Thank you, Ivana for translating our lessons into Spanish. We are very blessed. Two weeks from today, we'll be one generation away day here, or one gen away day, which flows better. And we're just gonna celebrate the Whitney's and their work. Uh, We're not gonna make, sorry, what? Oh, okay. I thought thought somebody back there was doing sign language, but evidently a fly or something. I don't really, (laughs) I don't, don't know sign language either. But that, uh, we're looking forward to that. And last thing before we get into the lesson, and sorry, because we don't normally do these many things, but people are helpful and people are stressed. Um, many of you have said, we're going to make videos, and I've sent you Dropbox links. We need those, because we don't want people to think this is a center, because uh, it, it is not. You're from all over the world. We'd love to hear from you. Greeting videos, communion devotionals, read any favorite scripture you've got, or just a thought you've got, um, and that We've got a couple in the bin, but we need a lot more. There are a lot of books out there about angels, and some people believe in them and some don't. I always say the universe is a stranger place than you could ever imagine. And uh, if I get started into physics, it's going to go directions that you don't want it to go. I will merely say this. The universe is about 99% empty space. And you are too. Because the atoms that make you up are very tiny, and the space between the nuclei and the rings where the electrons are going is amazingly vast. I'll just put it this way. If I am the nucleus of of an atom in my body, the first ring, you remember those S1, S2s, things you had to learn in school? The first ring will actually be out on the road that you turned in to get here. The second ring will be closer to I-65. For people who have a vast universe and we can't find most of it. We know dark energy, dark matter, make it up, but we've not found it. We need to be humble when we say things like, well, I don't believe in. We need to be more humble about things like this. But then again, we don't need to get nuts about it and say that angels are everywhere and they love us and they're talking to us and and, we walk hand in hand and skip through the garden. No, angels are not interested in interacting with you. There is no evidence of that. When they're sent on a mission, they'll do it. But you never see any of them saying, hey, would you like to hang out? They don't, there's no evidence of this. In fact, if you read scripture carefully, you will notice that from the fall of Adam and Eve, when the cherubs and seraphs were put, well, the cherubs were put into um, guard mode around the Garden of Eden, mankind would go ages and ages without a mention of an angel. And the first time one shows up, 
Genesis 16, it is the angel of the Lord, the Lord's messenger, the one who is the word of God. And as we said a couple of weeks ago, just very briefly, I'll run through it. This angel comes to Hagar, a lady whose name just meant stranger or foreigner because she didn't hurt. We don't know her name. They just called her that. From what nation? We don't know. She was a slave in Egypt, given away to Abraham and Sarah, taken to another place, no rights, no position. And the first angel visit in scripture is to her. And the angel doesn't say, God will do this for you. He says, I will. For the angel of the Lord is not the same as an angel of the Lord. This angel commands and gave her commands and used first person as he spoke to her about the great things that would happen to her. And in Genesis 16, 13, when she reports this meeting, she says, I have seen the God who sees me. Then we looked at a handful of appearances of the angel of the Lord a few weeks back. Now we're going to look at all of them and we're going to go fast. So take notes or know where the pause button is on your, your wee laptop or your phone. Genesis 16 was that first appearance. Uh, this wonderful angel, Jesus Christ among us and shows the woman you have a place with us in heaven. Then we have to wait for a while. Genesis 22. And again, we, we did look at that last week, um, two weeks ago before we took that wee break. Whenever he talks to, um, in, in Genesis, talking um, to Abraham, Abraham is to sacrifice Isaac. It's a horrible story. There are a lot of ways to try to smooth it down a bit, but it's still a horrible one. Abraham believed he was still going to get off that mountain with Isaac. He believed, according to Hebrews eleven nineteen, that God was going to raise Isaac back from the dead. And so he even talks about when we get off the mountain, when we return but regardless, God stopped the sacrifice. Well, the angel of the Lord stopped the sacrifice. What do you think about this? God, Heavenly Father, Yahweh, says sacrifice. The angel of the Lord stops it. What being has the ability to stop or curb a command of God? Only Christ and the Spirit of God. And he does. And then Exodus 1 through 3, promises have been made and the angel of the Lord shows up to make sure that they are fulfilled. The angel of the Lord speaks to Moses out to the burning bush, gives him orders, answers his questions. And when Moses says, what name are you? I got to have a name. He says, I am. And as we ended two weeks ago, Jesus used that very phrase when he said, before Abraham was, I am. Identifying who we're talking about. Now, we get to a funny story. Strange story, weird story, funny story. I love it because it's so absurd. It's so strange. And because I have to be careful. Numbers 22, the story of Balaam. God told Balaam, who was evidently a freelance prophet, <laughs> you could just come and hire him to go bless or curse things. And God had warned him somehow, you bless Israel, you never curse them. By the way, the name Israel, we think of it as a national, a national name, which it is. And we'll talk about Israelites. But remember, the name Israel is one God gave to the people. And it means they who wrestle with God. So, young folk, old folk, if you have doubts about God, bring them on. God doesn't mind a wrestling match. 
If you're wrestling with God, at least you're still in touch with him. So come on in. But here we are, Balaam once again. So the king came to Balaam, not of Israel, and said, here's some money, go curse Israel. Balaam went, okay, and hopped on what modern versions of scripture now refer to as a donkey. I don't like to use the word donkey, since Shrek. <clears throat> but if you use the other words, the tittering and the giggling never end. So there he is on his beastie. How's that? Moving on down. And the angel of the Lord is there. The donkey sees him, but um, Balaam doesn't, which I find fascinating. It just means God liked the donkey better than Balaam, I guess. And the donkey shies away. And Balaam's going, what's going on here? And trying to whip him back in. And the angel of the Lord keeps blocking him. Have you ever felt blocked? There you might be. And eventually, the donkey actually shies away and and mashes his leg up against, uh, Balaam's leg up against the wall. And he starts beating the donkey. He says, what are you doing? And the donkey answers. Now that's the fun part. But it's not the best part. Because the donkey goes, why are you beating me? There's an angel in front of me. And Balaam answers the donkey. That's the fun part. <laughs> my, my, uh, my first word of advice as an ex-shrink is if a donkey talks to you, bad enough. Do not answer the donkey. Because then you are embracing whatever weirdness is going on. The angel then reveals himself to Balaam and he says, you got very clear orders from me. Well, God's the one who gave him orders. The angel says, from me. And he gives him new orders. And throughout this passage, as soon as he's identified and Balaam sees him, he is referred to as Yahweh. It's not an angel. It's the messenger, the angel, Jesus among us. And that brings us to judges. Um, I had a person email me this week saying that they were starting to work on Zechariah. I said, best of luck. You know, most people don't know Zechariah's in there and couldn't tell Zechariah from Zechariah. Uh, so go for it. And they seemed offended that anybody would be unaware of the, and I said, you really need to know people. Most people aren't thinking, you know that Obadiah, he rocked. Um, it's in there. It's a great book. Most people don't know judges either. The angel of the Lord Verses 1 through 5. Listen to the phrasing here. I ask Kirsten not to put the words up. I want people to listen, or if you have your apps out, to read. But we're not going to... We want you to learn and hear to absorb and read and absorb. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, "I, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land I swore to give to your successors. Is there any doubt who this angel is now? Because only deity can say these things. And said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars. Yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? And I have also said, I will not drive them out before you. They'll become traps for you and their gods will become snares for you. When the angel of the Lord had spoken these things to all the Israelites, the people wept aloud. They called that place Bokim, which means the weepers. And there they offered sacrifices to Yahweh, the Lord, in all capitals. If you see all capitals, it means you've run across what they call the Tetragrammaton, which are four consonants rammed together. 
that we don't know how to pronounce, it's the name of God. Do we, we make it up now and say Yahweh by sticking vowels in there? And that's fine. I don't think God's upset by that as well at all. Earlier, we took the vows from Adonai and stuck them in, and so he became Jehovah. And then somebody brought up Israelites don't have a J. So we went to Y, and it went Yahweh. God has never shown a real interest in what name you call him. It's more obedience. It's more following him. But this could not be more plain. The angel of the Lord lets them know that the promises made have been broken and they're going to pay the consequences. And then a story I will tell another day. Cammy knows how much I love the story of Gideon in Judges 6. It is the first Western. It is. And most movies are Westerns, by the way. Uh, if you if, just think about it, even sports movies are Westerns with a basketball. They're, you know, Shane and you put them together. They are Westerns. Well, the first Westerns in Judges 6 with Gideon, who is not somebody you would pick to fight for you because when the angel finds him, he's hiding. And when the angel tells him to do stuff, he turns it into a science experiment with dew and fleece. And whenever he finally gets him convinced, Gideon runs and hides in his dad's tent. When people come looking for him, his dad goes, why are you looking for him here? I don't know anything about his... So he was also not a jewel in the crown. And the first thing the angel of the Lord said when he came to Gideon was, hey, almighty warrior. Now, there are two ways to look at this. One, Gideon was a mighty warrior and didn't know it. Two, the angel of the Lord is being sarcastic. I can take either one. But however it works, Gideon then wins the battle and, uh, and the, the phrase, for the first time in literature anywhere, of cutting them off at the pass, Judges 6, is they're running away. The fight goes, he goes, send people there, cut them off at the pass. I'm going, there you are. When we are weak, he is strong. And that's the message of that whole story. And we'll, we'll take time to go into a stories series, but not until after we're done doing Jesus stories. The longest passage dealing with the angel of the Lord and his interaction with humans is Judges 13 through 16. And I, I adore that story. Manoah's wife has no children. And back then that was an amazing shame, a horrible shame. You were a social outcast because people back then thought it was the wife's fault if there was no child. We now know that that's not true, that it can be two people's fault, it can be the dad's fault, it can, there can, there's so many factors at play. But back then, the shame fell upon the woman. So the angel of the Lord appears to her and says, you're, you're gonna be pregnant and he's gonna be a mighty warrior. It's gonna be Samson, by the way, not a spoiler alert, you probably know the story. She goes back and tells Manoah, God saw me and he told me, and Manoah's gone, sure. Um, yeah. And so he goes out and she sees him again. So she goes and gets Manoah and drags him up, said, there he is. And he sees this mighty man and then begins to refer to him as God after that. And Manoah even says, it's a, it's a wonderful scene. 
would you tell us your name? And in our translations, it goes, you are not, it is too marvelous for you or it is too wonderful for you. That doesn't explain it. Names were so powerful back then that most people had a secret name. And if you didn't know that, then none of the magic or the false gods could get you because there's a secret name. Your parents would even whisper it into your ear after you were born. It, it was a big deal. Names were important. And he's really looking, if you want to go in a modern English, it would be, if I told you my name, it would blow your circuits. <laughs> your puny little brain would shut down. So I'm, and and that's, that's, that's one of those engagements, like Joshua with the great angel that he met before the, the battle, and he fell down and he says, who are you? And he said, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. And he goes, which side are you on? He said, I'm not. <laughs> I'm on God's side. Not what Joshua perhaps wanted to hear, but better than he feared. And here, that just beautiful story. Although Samson was an incredibly flawed individual. If you read the story, you just keep going. What? God used him. Here's the key that you need to keep in your head. Read the Bible. There is not a person that isn't flawed that he uses. Now, the closest I can get to is Mary, his mother, because God does not point out any of her flaws. But God points out flaws for the rest of them. And I always go, well, good news for us. Because I'm flawed. You're flawed. If you didn't know that, hate to be the one. You're flawed. We have hope. We mentioned this three weeks ago very briefly, but there's an, there's an amazing scene and you have to read it carefully. And you have to ask, okay, where are the characters? It's in two places. It's in 2 Samuel 21 and it's in 1 Chronicles 20. Um, I'm sorry. 2 Samuel 24 and 1 Chronicles 21. Um, we don't need to go through all the backstory here. There was a rule to take a census of Israel and David didn't do it. And then later, he took his own census, which was completely forbidden by God, and only counted the fighting men, which again was completely forbidden by God. So he didn't do what God told him to do, and he did what God said, never do this. So the angel of the Lord shows up and says, all right, you're going to be punished. You got three choices. And he lays them out, famine for three years, you're going to be pursued by your enemies for three months, or you're going to have three days of killer plague. David cowardly says, I don't want any harm to come to me, so plague. So the plague hits. A lot of people die. The angel of death is cut loose. But when the angel of death enters Jerusalem, all of a sudden we see a new character. The angel of the Lord is there. Now we don't know any interactions, all we know is that immediately the next line is, God stopped the punishment early. Way early. God had decreed it. Now, the only thing I can get from this is somebody shows up that wasn't in the group and, you know, send out the, the angel of death. The angel of death's still there. Now the angel of the Lord's in, in Jerusalem and God says, Not in, we're done. In fact, the scene shows the angel of the Lord has his sword drawn and everybody assumes he's out there killing people. No, why did the killing stop when you see the sword and the angel of death disappear? 
Because God's son said, no, we're not doing this. This is enough. It's just amazing, really. Then the angel of the Lord appears three times to Elijah, uh, first to give him food and drink when he was just worn out after the battle on Mount Carmel. Very gentle to him. And then 1 Kings 19, if you want to read the story, it's amazing. The angel of the Lord tells Elijah to go to King Isaiah, Isaiah, to tell him that he's under a death penalty now because he's just gone too far. Uh, Elijah, not so sure he wants to go. And the king sends men out and God keeps striking them down with fire until the next group comes out, the third group, and the guy gets close and he falls on the knees and he goes, don't kill me, I'm just following orders. The king really, really wants you there. So God says, go with him. And Elijah goes with him. But the angel of the Lord is involved all through that story. And then the stunning story of death in 1 Kings 19, um, where Sennacherib, we know Sennacherib. He's all over history. We've dug up his stuff, his name. We, we know who he was. And he approaches Israel with an army saying, I'm just going to wipe you out. And the people are looking around saying, we don't have enough people to defend the place. We're going to die. The angel of the Lord shows up in the next morning. And again, they use numbers in a different way. These are not exact numbers. It's just a way to think about it. 185,000 warriors are dead. I heard a preacher once in an old country church in America. And he said, the next morning they all woke up dead. I was just a boy, and I'm thinking, that's a better story. But now you got zombies, you know, and, and that, that just, anyway. And Sennacherib, and by the way, in history, Sennacherib writes that he came against Israel, and then that he left. But the story he left in history, I'm not making this up, is that mice ate their weapons, so they had to come home. If you got a story, that's a story. Not a good story. But again, in history, we know he did come and then did turn away. In Psalm 34 and verse 7. Oh, went to the wrong page there. Psalm 34 and verse 7. See, this is the difference between an app. Look at it this way. I'm waiting for it to download. <laughs> the pages are sticking. Was I eating peanut butter and jelly again? Um, there we are. There we are. Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Now, I need the next page, and I bet it won't come for me. Because in Psalm 35, verses 5 and 6, <clears throat> May they be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. May their path be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Jesus is a complex figure. He's not that white fellow dressed in white, halo around him, holding a baby sheep. He can do that, because his love, oh how he loved us, is, is a real reflection of a real Jesus. But because he loves us, there's also the sword side. This is a complex thing. I'll just put it this way. I have many pacifist friends, and by the way, pacifism is a huge, wide spectrum. So there are many forms of it. And I've talked to them before about the fact that I'm not a pacifist. I am anti-war, but I'm not a pacifist. 
And they, they, well, how would that work? And I said, well, I'm not going to go off to war to fight for a government or for a territory or something like this. But if someone were to come into my house, if I can stop them, and even if it costs them their life, I will. And they look at me and they say, but you're supposed to love that person. Here's the key. I do. But I also love the people behind me. Therefore, there are times that the angel of the Lord says, I do love everyone, but I love these people you're trying to destroy. And I'm going to stop it. If you keep pushing, it can come to death. But God is more patient than human beings, obviously, because we're all still here. The last, the last before silence falls. Zechariah 3. Some also, uh, some early versions put him in Zechariah 12. But Zechariah 3 the angel of the Lord promises to restore the people of God, that he promises them salvation. And then the curtain comes down. Silence from heaven. Hundreds of years later, a wee baby is born in Bethlehem. And what happens? Suddenly, angels flood the sky. Singing in chorus. I got... Two or three emails this week from people who grew up like I did, and they were saying, how dare you celebrate Christmas? I just wrote back, God and the angels celebrated the birth. Seems like a good idea to join the party. They flooded the sky, and what did they say? Now you're going to get it, you stupid. No. <laughs> they said, peace on earth. Peace to the men and women on earth. The child is born called Emmanuel, or the God who is with us. Just like Hagar, Manoah's wife, all of them said, that's who's here. Mary Alice, you, are, you could not have been more correct, and you didn't know that was going to be the thrust here. We're not going to walk with Jesus one day. We walk with him now. All of the saints who have gone on before are in the room. You are already in heaven isn't it interesting that if you want to find scientists who believe, the most of them that you're going to find, the greatest percentage that you find is in the area of physics. Because they know how big and strange the universe is. And that time is just something we've agreed upon. But the fact is, we are here and we are there. That is the mystery of the messenger of the Lord. Dave and Barb, would you come forward to read?